This is The Lottery on Blue Wire Podcast. I'm John Wasserman, lead NBA draft writer for Bleacher Report. We got Summer League in full swing. That's pretty much the only thing going on right now in basketball land with free agency close to wrapping up. The USA U19 World Cup team just took home gold. No big surprise. Team led by Kate Cunningham, Scotty Barnes, a couple of youngsters who we will be addressing over the next few years in the upcoming drafts. But I think right now, the main thing going on is Summer League. And I figured this would be a good episode to kind of answer your questions about some of these prospects and, and about Summer League instead of just rattling off who's playing well, who's not. You could just go check the box scores and stat sheets for that. Um, so I took some of your questions. I'll try and do my best to answer them, keep the answers somewhat concise. Um, and I think we'll start off with a popular question, and that's, what do you look for in Summer League? Now, I think as watching these games, whether you're an analyst or a fan, the main thing that's going on in your head is, okay, well, what's going to translate? This guy's playing really well in Summer League. Does that mean he's going to be a good pro? This guy can't make a shot in Summer League. Does that mean he's doomed at the NBA level? You can't get too high or low with any of your reactions. We're talking about you know three to seven game sample sizes. Guys going from playing with the same teammates for 30-plus games, suddenly they're with four of the guys on the floor they're just meeting who all have personal agendas and itineraries, right? The goal for all these individual players is to make an impression on coaches, either earn a training camp invite, either to move up higher on the depth chart. I mean, these guys are playing for their livelihoods. And so I know that the goal of these games is to win. And coaches do their best to try and preach, go try out and win, uh, win the game, play the right way, and your best self will come out. But let's be real here. Everyone's playing for themselves in this setting. They're in the fact that the competition is different. The setting is different. Guys haven't played really since March and April in terms of live competitive action. And that we're also just talking about a couple games, plus the adjustment that it's going to take. So, I mean, the numbers, it's, don't get too crazy with the stats, the percentages, I think the eye test is more important. And, you know, when you ask, what are you looking for in summer league? Well, it's different for every player. For a guy who's not a great athlete, you want to see if he can separate from these defenders. Can he create that separation? Can he finish through contact around the basket? If a guy is more of an athleticism over skill player, you want to see, well, what happens in the half court? Does he have the skills to handle the ball and create against a set defense? Or does he just clearly lean too much on athleticism and really doesn't pose much of a threat once the game slows down? Using the eye test, you also want to look at jump shots since shooting is such a big deal in today's league. How does this jump shot look with a deeper NBA three-point arc? Sometimes you'll see it looks far more uncomfortable for a guy, even if he shot a high percentage through 30-plus games in college. So those are really the basics. I mean, every player is different. We see every year players have poor summer leagues and turn out to be good pros and guys who dominate summer league and never make it in the NBA. So you can't get too carried away with the positives and negatives I think you got to use your best judgment to assess each aspect of the game. And I guess that, that makes it easy to transition to a, a topic that has been brought up by a lot of listeners and readers and New York fans. And that's R.J. Barrett, who, let's be honest, he hasn't been very good. And I know he's made some nice adjustments over the past couple games, looked more comfortable over the last two. But in general, he doesn't look like a number three overall pick. He doesn't look like the future star that suddenly the Knicks need him to be because they struck out on the big names in free agency. And quite frankly, I'm a little bit concerned. And I know I just got through talking about, you know, don't get too crazy with the positives and negatives, but there is some scouting involved in summer league. And the particular negatives that RJ Barrett has shown are, uh, I think are, 
are worthy of concern. And if you ask me, the biggest concern I had about Barrett coming into Summer League and throughout the college season, it's the fact that when the game slows down in the half court, which is where the game takes place most, Barrett struggles to create his own shot. Now, he's really good at improvising um, and using his instincts and nose for the rim to just find ways to score. But it's not so easy against NBA caliber defenders. We're seeing that right now. He's leaning a lot on just putting his head down, getting downhill, and hoping for the best once he gets into the lane. And he's struggled to finish. First of all, he's not an explosive athlete. He relies a lot on his strength. And while that's going to help him, particularly as his body fills out over the next couple of years, it's not helping him right now. He's struggling to finish against these rim protectors. And the other concern as you know, he's struggling to make shots around the perimeter. Now, I think that was to be expected. Shot 66% from the free throw line in college. I know the two threes per game in college created some optimism, but 30% from downtown in college. Uh, and just looking at the eye test, you know, his shot doesn't look three-point ready for the NBA. A lot of upper body, doesn't get a lot of pop from his lower legs, doesn't get crazy elevation on his jump shot. A lot of upper body, a lot of his jump shots have been short, and it just seems hard to believe that he's going to be a reliable shooter anytime soon. Uh, and when you combine that with the fact that in the half court, again, he doesn't have go-to moves to create high percentage looks for himself. Almost all of his shots so far in Summer League have have been, you know, off one foot in the lane, mostly with that left hand. He doesn't have step backs. The one couple step backs he's tried, he barely got any separation and didn't really come close. One was an air ball, one was a brick. So as encouraging as his last two games were in terms of his point total and production, I think the, the inefficiency is actually somewhat telling, both using the numbers and the eye test. I, I think he's going to have a lot of trouble uh, during his rookie year, particularly because suddenly he's now forced into a role off the ball. Now we're seeing how uncomfortable he looks playing that off ball role where he's got to stand around the arc and kind of wait for his opportunities. That's never been his role dating back to high school when he was the number one player in the country, dating back to Duke when the offense ran through him. Suddenly the offense is running through Kevin Knox and Kadeem Allen and Mitchell Robinson. And that's not going to be any different when he gets to the NBA level when the Knicks also now have Julius Randle. Alfred Payton is going to be controlling the pace. Dennis Smith Jr. is a ball dominator. So Barrett's going to have to adjust and figure out how to score when the ball isn't in his hands and he doesn't have that freedom to dribble, dribble, and find those lanes. Again, that's another reason why I think he's going to have some trouble early in his career. Now, the things, the positives that I am buying, I'm buying the flashes of playmaking. I know he doesn't get a lot of credit for his passing because sometimes he's a shot hunter and looks off teammates and, and goes for those hero jumpers or hero attempts at the end of the game to win. But he's a good passer. And when he's willing and he's focused on getting teammates involved, I mean, we're seeing it right now. He stitched out a number of really nice passes off penetration, off ball screens. Actually, at Duke, he was one of the most efficient pick-and-roll passers to the role men in the country. Now, he had Zion Williamson, but New York will have Mitchell Robinson, one of the best lob catchers in the game. So I'm buying the flashes of playmaking. I'm also buying the rebounding. He's been a, a serious rebounder through four games in Summer League, and uh, he goes after the boards. He loves to grab and go. That kind of creates incentive to crash the glass so he can get that rebound and then push the pace where he's best in transition. So I love the rebounding. I love the passing. I'm a little bit nervous about his shot creation in the half court, his shot making in the half court. I think both are going to give him a lot of trouble early in his career. And now he's only 19 years old, so I'm not willing to say he's got no chance anymore of being a star, but he's going to have to make some major adjustments over the next couple years and really add to his skill set and improve 
that skill set, right? Not just add add things to it, add other methods of creating shots, but really sharpen them. Become a much better step back shooter. Become a much more efficient pull up guy. Add that floater to your game, so you're not just barreling into traffic and hoping for the best. Anyway, that was my R.J. Barrett rant. I had some questions about him coming in. I thought this was a weak enough draft in terms of guys going two through ten, where he was the pretty obvious pick at number three. Although Jared Culver was very close. Um, in my opinion. But yeah, I mean, based on this tiny, tiny, tiny sample size, um, I, I think we're seeing that Barry is going to have to change a lot to his game over the next couple of years. Maybe his shooting form, certainly his shot creation, which is really going to call for improved ball handling. I mean, he's dribbling high. He's having trouble beating guys. Too many times he's got the ball and he has to turn his back to his defender because he can't blow by them righty or lefty. So these are things he's going to have to work on. And, and I think if you're a Nick fan, you really have to pump the brakes uh, on his rookie of the year campaign because it's not going to happen and be just, you know, immediately saying, okay, he's going to be a star. It's just a matter of how long he's got a lot of work to do. And uh, hopefully this new team that Scott Perry and Steve Mills put together, these new teammates can really elevate Barrett's game and hopefully make it easier for him while he goes through this adjustment period. On the other hand, Tyler Hero has been um, somebody I've gotten a lot of questions about, you know, how legitimate, has his success been so far in Summer League? I think what we're seeing is a very, very confident player who's benefiting from a green light that he didn't have at Kentucky. It reminds me a lot of the Devin Booker situation under Calipari. These guys in college under Calipari, they don't have a lot of freedom to fire away. It's more of a system. You got to take good shots to come to you. Well, Hero doesn't always take good shots. But now that he's got this green light to take some bad shots, it's allowing him to build some rhythm and build some confidence. And man, he is a tremendous shot maker. He can make them with zero hesitation, rising and firing in transition, off screens, off pull-ups, off spot-ups. Now, I think early on in his career, he's going to be a little bit erratic just based on his shot selection. But over time, I'm buying this summer league being a sign of success to come. Because his offensive game is just money. I mean, he's going to be a professional shot maker for a long time. And the other promising thing that I'm seeing um, is his passing and some of his off-the-dribble work that, again, we didn't see much of at Kentucky. He's just a very skilled overall basketball player. And I know shooting is going to be what his identity is revolved around. But give him the ball. He could work off ball screens. You know, He could put it down and get out and transition. He's coordinated around the basket. And I think defensively he competes. He's quick enough to stick with opposing guards. So I'm totally in on Hero. I had him ranked lower than, than probably what he, what he should have been. I think if we were to do a redraft, he'd go, he'd go closer to the top 10 as opposed to number 13. It'll be really interesting to see where he winds up if he stays in Miami with Jimmy Butler, or if he ends up getting shipped in a deal to Oklahoma City for Russell Westbrook, or if Westbrook comes and somehow they manage to keep Hero in Miami, I think that would be ideal to have Hero next to Westbrook, next to Jimmy Butler. I mean, what a perfect match, I think. But we'll see. I would imagine that if the Heat are serious about getting Westbrook, that Hero is going to have to be involved in the deal. And that would be interesting also to see Hero play with Gildas Alexander, the OKC Thunder's new point guard. But yeah, overall, regardless of what team he ends up, I'm buying stock in hero. Um, and, and I don't know if he's going to be Devin Booker good, but a, a poor man's version. And I still think a poor man's version of Booker is an NBA starter and potentially a, a pretty good one. I was asked who's the most underrated player so far in summer league. I'm going to have to go with a guy who I picked as one of my sleepers 
of the draft, and that's Terrence Mann out of Florida State, who's now with the LA Clippers. Uh, he was uh, somebody I hyped up before the draft, and of course now I'm feeling pretty good about it because he's having an excellent summer league. Uh, not a big score, averaging only around 9 points, but he's adding over 11 rebounds, almost 6 assists. He's filling the statute. He's shooting 60% from the field. He is the classic glue guy who just makes excellent decisions between better scores and better playmakers, although better playmakers, he's averaging around six assists, working more on the ball um, as, a, as a creator than he did when he was at Florida State. But this is just a guy who checks a lot of boxes and really has just a good feel for the game. When to cut, when to pass, when to crash the glass. A really tough defensive player who's going to guard positions one through three. And he's not going to take any bad shots. He's only going to take the good ones. I think he's the perfect type of player to have on the team that has stars. And guess what? The LA Clippers suddenly have a bunch of them. I think Terrence Mann's going to be one of the biggest steals of the draft. And so far in Summer League, he's proving me right. Um, so keep an eye on Mann. I don't know how many minutes he's going to get this season, but uh, you know, an injury here and there. And I think suddenly he, he's such a mature, older player who the Clippers... Doc Rivers could feel comfortable uh, putting into the lineup and just say, you know, play to your strengths, make the right decision, make the right reads, defend, and you're going to hold value to our team as that glue guy who can positively impact games without needing to score. I've been asked about Chicago Bulls' new point guard, Kobe White, who has been a very productive summer league player, but not a super efficient one, shooting just 36%. Okay, let's talk about the po- the positives with White. He looks like a point guard, not necessarily a two guard, what some pegged him as coming out of college. I, I think his future in the NBA is as an initiator, um, a-, a lead guard who makes the majority of your decisions. Now, he's got to improve his decision making. Sometimes he takes bad shots. Sometimes he gets a little uh, lackadaisical with his passes, but he clearly has feel and vision as a passer and as a playmaker. One of the negatives, he's not making threes. He's not making jump shots. Now, he made plenty of jump shots in college, so I'm not ready to set off any alarms. But in college, he did only shoot around 27% on pull-ups, and so far in summer league, he's going to that pull-up way too often. I know it's an important shot in today's league, but he's not making it an efficient clip he did in college, and he's got somewhat of a low release point, so he doesn't create a ton of separation on his jump shots. And while he's capable of finishing, you know, really crafty layups around the basket, he also lacks that explosiveness there. And he's probably never going to shoot a high percentage in the paint. And we're seeing that also right now. He's struggling to efficiently convert those layups that are contested by rim protectors. Overall, he's shown that he's capable of being a full package lead guard. Uh, with perimeter scoring ability, that, that streak scoring ability that, to catch fire and rattle in shots in bunches. And to elude defenders uh, and get to the basket. And he's got the playmaking ability and the vision. I think one of the concerns with Colby White um, is that off his own dribble creativity, he usually looks for his own shot. He's not really a breakdown setup guard. He's good with ball screens. He's a great passer in the open floor, uh, but he's not necessarily someone who's going to break down the defense one-on-one and then dump it off to a to a dunker or kick it out to an open shooter. That's something he's got to improve on, his off-the-dribble vision in the half court. But he's clearly going to be a very exciting offensive player, defense will probably take time for him to get to 
you know, adequate level uh, defending the point of attack. But offensively, I wouldn't get too worried. I would just be a little bit more worried about his short-term outlook. Probably next year with the Bulls, he projects better as a six-man type spark than the lead guard. I'd imagine that role will go to Sadoransky, who the Bulls just signed. He's a bit more reliable with his decision-making. So I don't think Kobe White will be the Bulls' starter right away. But I don't think anything we've seen, I know he's had some trouble, again, with efficiency. I wouldn't put too much stock into it. I'd imagine he's their long-term starter, a point guard, just not their short-term answer um, who's going to get Chicago over the hump, which I I believe that they're going to try to do this year now with that core of Otto Porter and Larry Markkinen and Wendell Carter Jr. coming back and Zach Levine looking to take that jump to All-Star. I was asked one player I'm higher on than most of the consensus and one player I'm lower on than the consensus. We'll start with the higher. I like Bruno Fernando. Playing with the 76ers, his numbers haven't been great so far in Summer League. They may not be great for a couple years. You know, he reminds me a lot of Montrez Harrell uh, playing with the Clippers. It's going to take some time for him to figure out how to impact games offensively because the offense isn't going to run through him in the post, and that's really his go-to avenue for scoring. But over time, I think he, he's going to be able to develop some more perimeter touch uh, than he's been able to show at Maryland and so far through Summer League. And I think he's also going to become more dominant presence um, as a rebounder and as a finisher around the basket. Give him a couple of years and he's going to figure out ways to impact the game even as an older school center, just like Harrell has done. And Fernando has that competitiveness and fire and motor that I think is eventually going to catch up. And when he becomes an older, more mature player, he's going to figure out how to channel that fire and competitiveness into more efficient rebounding and scoring around the basket. And in the meantime, he'll be working on that mid-range touch his free throws, his defensive reads. So I expect him to be a a Harrell type of player, just maybe not in the short term, and particularly for a team that is already pretty loaded. And so he's a guy to watch down the road. And uh, we may forget about him for a couple seasons, but keep an eye. Keep an eye out. I'm not ready to give up on Fernando after what's been a pretty quiet summer league. A guy I'm lower on than most, Rui Hachimura. I mean, I was shocked. When he went number nine overall, I knew he was going to go somewhere around the lottery. And no matter where he went in the lottery, I was still going to probably grade it as a poor pick. I, I know there's a lot to like about his tools and athleticism um, and his face-up scoring, you know, within 17 feet. But I have a lot of questions about the fact that he doesn't pass. He's not a rebounder. He's not a defender or a three-point shooter. I don't think he's really a fit in today's league, just like Jabari Parker has kind of gotten phased out. Although he did just get a contract from the Hawks which I thought was surprising um, and unjustified. But uh, Rui Hachimura is somebody who, uh, you know, the Wizards are really going to be banking on to figure things out and blow up in the NBA, and I just don't see it. Uh, he's been pretty inefficient in the only, I think, two games he's played in Summer League, though we did have some nice scoring outbursts. Uh, he's going to be very, he's going to be effective around the basket. But again, I don't know how much value he could have as a big man who doesn't protect the rim, who doesn't stretch the floor, who is a poor passer, and doesn't add any value as a rebounder. So Rui is a guy I'm much lower on um, than most. I was asked, who should be the Knicks' starting lineup? Well, I guess we're still finding out who's going to be on the roster with this new Marcus Morris news and this Reggie Bullock news that Bullock's fitness may not be up to par. or, or There hasn't been many details about what's going on with Bullock, but it looks like they're restructuring that deal. I'm not sure if he's going to be a Nick or if he is just for a lot lower price. Um, but... Let's just start with, I think, Alfred Payton should start a point guard over Dennis Smith Jr. just to start the season. Hopefully, I think the goal is that Dennis Smith outplays Alfred Payton and takes over later in the season. But I think to start with some of these young guys, you want the more seasoned passer. Um, So I like Alfred Payton starting a point guard um, and a shooting guard. I like Alonzo Trier. 
I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what step he takes this season. He was awesome in this first summer league game, 8 of 14. The Knicks need shooting, and he was around a 40% three-point shooter last year. I think they need to prioritize his development, but also prioritize shooting for this particular lineup, which includes Julius Randle starting at the four and Mitchell Robinson at the five. And I think it, at the small forward right now, you have to start with Kevin Knox, again, because he's probably more ready to make threes than R.J. Barrett. I like Barrett starting off, coming off the bench um, as a as a as the second unit's score with Dennis Smith Jr. How about the Knicks coming out coming out hot off the bench with the second unit of Dennis Smith Jr. and R.J. Barrett? Barrett gets to start a little bit slower, has less pressure on him, and gets to go against bench guys. So to me, that's that's what makes the most sense. Man, look at that. That's not a bad second unit, honestly. If you had Dennis Smith Jr., uh, Wayne Ellington, R.J. Barrett. Taj Gibson, Bobby Portis, that's not a bad second unit. Throw in Iggy Brasdakis, who's been one of the surprises of Summer League, and I wouldn't be surprised if Brasdakis carves out a legitimate role in this year's rotation. Again, because of his particular skill set as a shooter um, and and a high IQ overall player. Um, So we'll see, but those would be the two first and second units I see with the Knicks. Another question, what do I think about the, the New Orleans Pelicans? Other two? Not Zion, but Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Jackson Hayes. Loved Hayes. I've always been a fan of Hayes. He was number five on my big board before the draft. So, you know, naturally, I'm not surprised at what he's doing. Went for 28 points in his debut. It's just an absolute monster around the basket in terms of his physic, his verticality, how high he gets on these finishes. I mean, did you see that dunk? He was, like, near the top of the backboard. He has unbelievable bounce for a 6'11 guy, plus excellent coordination and wheels running the floor positioning himself for easy baskets. He's going to block a lot of shots at the NBA level. Even in that second game, he buried a three-pointer. This is a guy who didn't score 20 points once at Texas, and he already goes for 28 in his debut. So I'm very high on Jackson Hayes. I think he's eventually the starting center in New Orleans, although he lacks some toughness. Not a great rebounder. That's where he's got to improve, but he just turned 19 years old. I think uh, Pelicans fans have a lot to be excited about, not just with Zion, but future front court partner Jackson Hayes. Now, Alexander Walker is somebody who I've been lower on than most. He looks like a point guard. I mean, if you were watching him for the first time, you'd say, oh, who's that point guard? That's never really been his title. He's always been more of a combo, actually probably more of a two guard than a point guard, if anything. Spent most of his freshman year spotting up. This year, he played more on the ball at the point with Justin Robinson, um, the team's leader, point guard going down. So uh, he really did show some flashes, um, improved playmaking. Um, really good passer with one hand, either left or right. Makes some really pretty dimes through traffic. A couple of beautiful bounce passes he's thrown so far. Um, averaging around seven assists through these two games. So the fact that he's become a facilitator, I mean, I think he's suddenly going to be backing up Lonzo Ball at point guard. And maybe the, the Pelicans will use Frank Jackson, who erupted for 30 points during his first game in Summer League. Another uh, underrated piece for this Pelicans rotation and rebuild is Frank Jackson. But Alexander Walker... Really looks smooth out there, um, particularly passing, but also scoring. Like I said, 24.5 points per game through his first two. He looks comfortable shooting the NBA three. Um, he's not an explosive athlete, but that hasn't stopped him from creating separation as a finisher and mid-range score. Uh, he's been one of the, the, I know it's only been two games, but he's been one of the most effective players in summer league through those two games. So it looks like uh, David Griffin hit again, uh, this time on his third first-round pick. So the Pelicans look like the obvious winners of the 2019 draft. Otherwise, a couple other rookie standouts. Uh, Brandon Clark from the Memphis Grizzlies. 
He's not putting up gigantic numbers, but his impact is so obvious. Uh, and the plus-minus game loves him. He was a plus 23 and a plus 25 in each of his first two uh, games in Summer League. He just uh, impacts winning uh, by making the hustle plays and the defensive rotations it reads uh, and the offensive efficiency around the basket, finishing everything. He even made a three-pointer in his second game. Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. are going to be one of the most exciting frontcourt duos in the league the next couple of years. Can't wait to see how they develop and play off each other with Jaron Jackson Jr. more of the stretch big um, and, and Clark, the guy who, who kind of um, is a little bit more active, um, more of a high flyer, running around, flying around, making defensive plays, uh, making plays in transition. From the Clippers, I know I mentioned Terrence Mann, but Biondu Cabangeli has been very, very good through a couple games, uh, averaging over 17 points, 7 rebounds, a couple blocks. He's 6 of 12 from behind the arc. That's a huge development. Kind of opened eyes this past season uh, by improving as a shooter, 24 of 65 from behind the arc as a, a 6'10", 250-pounder, but looks really confident stepping into those threes. You get the, the idea that he is eventually going to be a stretch four or five um, who's athletic and energetic around the basket uh, and somebody who's really showing some some improvement as a shot creator, facing up, um, creating separation out of the post where he's got impressive specialty shot-making potential over, over his shoulder, um, fallaways, so a lot to like about him is somebody who's come off the bench two years in college at Florida State. I think that's probably going to be the same role he plays for this Clippers team um, as that uh, high-energy player off the bench uh, who could also knock down shots and, and give you a little space up front. Daniel Gafford for the Chicago Bulls, the number 38 pick. Everyone's got their eyes on Kobe White. You see what Daniel Gafford's doing? Hit the 20-point mark twice in his four games. He's shooting 64% from the field. He had six blocks against the Pelicans. He's not doing anything different than he did at Arkansas. It's the same stuff, but he's been very effective doing that same stuff, which is pretty much just overpowering defenders around the rim, a big-time finisher and lob target and rim runner, uh, and he's blocking shots, something that he kind of didn't do as much his sophomore season. Um, seeing his block rate fall is probably why his draft stock fell, because as a, as a center who doesn't stretch the floor, he's going to need to be a defensive enforcer around the basket, and so far he's been that for the Bulls. He's very competitive, Big-time athlete. They signed him to a four-year contract already, so clearly the Bulls have a lot of confidence in Gafford. I know they're already set up front, but it looks like he's going to be groomed to be their backup center for the next couple years. Some returning guys playing well. How about Jared Vanderbilt from the Denver Nuggets? Vanderbilt played 14 games in Kentucky due to injuries. He only played 17 games last year as a rookie for the Nuggets. He's averaging 12-12 and 12 so far in Summer League, shooting 54% from the field. He's averaging two assists, two steals. He's always been known for having that nose for the ball. He was always a good rebounder. And at 6'9", he's shown that versatility that really had him as one of the most highly recruited guys. Power forward size who can face up, handle the ball, and pass. And can move pretty easily defensively. I don't know how many minutes he gets this year in Denver, but Vanderbilt has been a, a very pleasant surprise. as somebody who's almost been forgotten about after sliding to the second round of last year's draft. How about Bruce Brown from the Detroit Pistons? He's made a completely new transformation. He's playing point guard uh, for Detroit, and he's been very effective. He just had a triple-double the other day. He's just turned into a natural-looking setup man, clearly putting an emphasis on facilitating and getting teammates involved. And without a jump shot, he's never going to be a big-time scorer. But his athleticism translates uh, to production in other ways as a driver, as a rebounder, had 14 boards in that triple-double. But the key development with, with Bruce Brown has been his passing. And I know Detroit added Derrick Rose this year. 
and they already have Reggie Jackson. But to have that secondary playmaker behind Luke Kennard at the two-guard spot, I think is going to be very helpful. Kennard gives him the shot-making that Brown doesn't. But he's Brown's making it very tough to not give him a chance, not to play him this season based on his versatility as a two-way playmaker, not just suddenly becoming a facilitator, but somebody who gets in the passing lanes, is very active, creating havoc at the defensive end. So far, the best player overall in Summer League may be the number 19 pick of the 2018 draft, and that's Lonnie Walker, who's averaging 25 a game on 56% shooting for the Spurs. I mean, he just looks like a complete season pro out there. He was one of my top-rated guys coming out of high school. Had a little bit of trouble at Miami, um, getting acclimated, building some rhythm. Maybe not the best system for him, just the college game in general. But uh, the open Summer League game... Has, has been perfect for him and the green light that he's been given has really kind of unlocked his scoring creating shots that we haven't seen him create he's been much better pulling up uh, driving past guys and swooping to the basket he's producing in his three-point shots not even falling um, at a good rate I think that's actually a good sign because over time I think you got to feel pretty good about his distance shooting the promising development has been his shot creation in the half court in the half court he's he's elevating um, into pull-ups, into step-backs. He's getting the looks he wants, and he's converting them at a high clip. Uh, so Lonnie Walker looks like he's ready to take that next step. The Spurs already have a handful of young guards uh, to look forward to in Derek White, and DeJounte Murray should be back from the ACL tear. Now they add Lonnie Walker to the mix, so they're building that backcourt along with Bryn Forbes, plus they drafted Keldon Johnson. Late in this year's first round, Johnson's had some really promising games so far in summer league, so the the Spurs backcourt is coming along, and I think Walker will eventually surface as their starting shooting guard. Anthony Simons from the Portland Trailblazers, another returning player who looks ready to make a jump through three games, averaging 22 points on 56% shooting, 65% from downtown. He is hot. Uh, this was a score um, coming straight out of high school, goes, goes to the NBA, skips college, didn't play much last year. I'd imagine that changes this year. Portland needs some backcourt depth, and Simons looks like he's ready to give that second unit uh, a nice pop of scoring firepower. He's not really a playmaker, but he knows how to put the ball in the basket from all three levels, was a good shooter um, coming out of high school, and looks like he's adjusted pretty quickly to the NBA arc. Somebody who can get hot and put points on the board in bunches. He's got the chance to be that sixth man for uh, for a Portland team who is going to be uh, very competitive this year in the Western Conference. Simon's actually just reminded me to, to give uh, Carson Edwards a shout-out because Edwards has been really good averaging around 20 a game through Summer League, and, and you know he's picked up right where he left off from the NCAA tournament when he averaged 35 points. Uh, he is just a microwave shot-maker off the catch, off pull-ups. He's not going to offer much playmaking. He's probably not going to put a lot of pressure on defenses as a driver, but he is a professional shot-maker. It's translating already to Summer League, and... Uh, you get the impression that he's going to take over for Terry Rozier coming off the bench for Boston to give that second unit, just like Simons in Portland. I think Edwards can quickly uh, jump into that Celtics rotation right away and give them uh, a spark of, of scoring firepower as well. Super confident player, only around six feet, but he is awfully strong, really strong build for an incoming rookie. Uh, so you got to feel good for the Celtics in case they don't get a lot of Romeo Langford, who's had trouble with his thumb dating back to Indiana, he may take some time. But I think if you put Edwards 
in that in that position to play to his strengths as somebody who, uh, whose job is to come in and make shots, maybe give him a short leech if his shots aren't falling. He's got the chance to thrive as that six-man type of player uh, for the Celtics. Good time to shout out ShipStation. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all of your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, Blue Wire listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use our promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You could start your free trial without even entering your credit card information. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers who ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter the promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. Lastly, we'll close with a top prospects for the 2020 draft. I was asked uh, to name my top guys. I'm only going to go with the top three because once we start going to fourth through 15, I mean, they're going to change. They haven't played a game yet uh, for next season, so I'm not going to get too caught up with, with how deep my board is. And But I, I do have a top three, um, and, and though I'm not super confident in it, this is what I've, this is what I've come to, right? So I got Anthony Edwards at number one. He's going to Georgia. He is a, a monster athlete, a, a 6'4", explosive, and a three-level scorer who's really improved his ability to create his own shot from each level. Now, I've seen him live a couple times. I've seen him take over for stretches. I've seen him be completely quiet. He's number one on the preseason board just based on talent. We're going to find out at Georgia if he really uh, figures out how to apply that talent um, to, to winning basketball games. At number two, I'm going with Cole Anthony, the new lead guard for North Carolina, taking over for Kobe White. I've uh, seen a lot of Anthony, seen a lot of him live. I've seen a lot of tape. I'm banking on his scoring ability and his scoring confidence at the point guard position and his ability to improve as a decision maker and passer. This kid loves basketball. In fact, I was at the gym the other night a couple of weeks ago playing a pickup game um, from 8 o'clock to 10 p.m., and when our game ended at 10 p.m., this is on a Wednesday night, Cole Anthony walked in the gym to start his workout. Wednesday night at 10 p.m. Kid lives in the gym, and that's a big factor in, in my ranking of putting him at number two because he does have a lot to work on. But uh, between the basketball genes, his father's Greg Anthony, for those that don't know, and his, his clear talent and clear skill level as a shot maker, as a ball handler, um, as an explosive athlete, uh, there's a lot to like, and I just feel very comfortable with saying that he's going to be a top five pick. I'm going to put him right now at number two for the sure thing factor. And at number three, I'm going with R.J. Hampton, who passed up college, made a lot of noise to go play next year in Australia. Uh, he's a combo guard. It's going to be really interesting to see how he stacks up with those pros. The Australian League, known for their toughness uh, and grown men who will not take it easy on him. Uh, can't wait to watch how he performs there and how scouts view him. I don't think he's going to have to produce a lot to go early in next year's draft. I think he's going to get a pass. 
based on what he's shown in college and just how easily it looks like his game's going to fit at the NBA level. So uh, I'm good with right now Hampton at number three, and that's where I'm going to stop. There's a lot of other talented guys, but this early, uh, I don't want to put them in a tier that they may really not belong in. Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, feel free to, to send me tweets, questions, at NBA Draft Was on Twitter. Next week, we'll, we'll look to book a guest. It's been a pretty weird time uh, with Summer League and a lot of guys uh, having off and traveling. So we'll look to get a guest back next week so you don't have to listen to my voice uh, the whole time. But um, thanks again for listening, and we'll talk soon on the lottery.